Welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. Prior to MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs, and I'm excited to try to bring you some of my own insights and advice, as well as the insights and advice of our guests to people starting or joining DAOs today. Normally we have a guest, today we do not. We will just be doing the Just Dow It News Report. So, the Just Dow It News Report. I will be summarizing each of these stories for you and sharing my reactions and my hot takes, uh, and especially focusing on what makes these stories relevant to people starting DAOs. All right, headline number one. This article is from The Defiant, and the article is headlined, the center will not hold how decentralization is reshaping technology and governance. Part one, a convergence of forces disrupts the logic of centralization. This article, by the way, this is an essay. It is a really great in-depth essay by Bruno Lulinski and David Kerr, both from the Dow Research Collective, which is an incredible organization. You can find them on Twitter at Dow Research Co. Um, this essay really digs into what does decentralization even mean in the first place? Why is this relevant? Well, of course, because we're here to talk about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. And if we're going to talk about decentralization in the context of DAOs, we need to understand what does decentralization mean? And not just what is the one answer to that question, but how is everyone in the Web3 community and at the world at large talking about decentralization? What are the different things that it means to different people? Um, so uh, first of all, uh, this article talks about how the definition of decentralization uh, is, uh, is, is widely debated. Right. Vitalik has come out with some ideas about de decentralization. Um, but even he has acknowledged that there's different ways of looking at it um, and you get different views from around the ecosystem. This paper breaks up decentralization into three categories, technological, economic and legal decentralization. So let's go through each of these real quick. First of all, technical decentralization refers to the actual underlying blockchain technology or other technology that underpins how we govern our decentralized autonomous organizations. And that technology itself can be more or less decentralized and the way you use it can be more or less decentralized. So that applies to the back end. So in other words, the actual blockchain, the protocol, the smart contracts um, is the protocol itself. You know, is it extremely decentralized in terms of validators and nodes and the ability to uh, run your own node on the network? Um, economically, is that is that blockchain uh, decentralized in terms of, um, you know, who holds the voting rights and the tokens and that kind of thing? Um, and uh, on top of that, you have the front end. So the Web3 interaction layer that interacts with those smart contracts, is it running on an Amazon you know, AWS server that's owned by one individual or a private company? Or is it actually running, uh, for example, on IPFS, the interplanetary file system, through something like ETH.limo, which is a decentralized way uh, for a DAO to uh, own a front end uh, in a sense? So the second part I mentioned already, economic decentralization. So a big part of that is, you know, again, in the case of a protocol, how decentralized um, are the tokens? And especially if those tokens are giving you voting power or importantly, um, allow you to delegate or stake uh, on the network and, and vote on uh, valid transactions. 
um, but also the DAO itself. So if we're talking about a DAO, how uh, distributed are that DAO's voting rights uh, and or tokens uh, if there's tokens used for other purposes? You know, do you have, as we've talked about on a prior episode, 1% uh, of the community of a DAO holding 90% of the voting rights, in which case um, that's not that decentralized. It's a lot more like the centralized systems that we're used to, uh, at least in some ways in terms of overall voting rights. Um, or do you have a DAO where it's one person, one vote or some other form of, uh, of governance mechanism? Finally, legal decentralization is looking at the tax, liability, ownership, intellectual property, reporting, and privacy implications of whatever uh, organization we're talking about. And I think the key here is to acknowledge that however we feel about our organizations, regulators and litigators and courts may have their own perspective. And that's going to depend less on what we think and more on the nature of the legal systems that we're operating in around the world. Um, a good example of that is U.S. securities laws. So U.S. securities laws uh, talk a lot about they don't necessarily talk about decentralization, but they rely on decentralization when determining if something is a security, because part of the Howey test, which you may have heard of, that is uh, usually used to determine if something is a security or not, um, is that you're relying on some kind of centralized group uh, to uh, on the profit that's going to come from some kind of investment that you're making. And so if there is no decentralized group, uh, generally speaking, you know, a, a token is going to be if there's no centralized group you're relying on for a token to become valuable, then that token is less likely to be considered a security. So that's just one example. Um, there's also the, the social perspective on decentralization. So whatever your technological, economic and legal decentralization, what about just from a social perspective? How much influence do the found, does the founding team have? How much influence do um, certain groups or individuals within the DAO have? Uh, the article goes on to talk about uh, the benefits of decentralized systems like censorship resistance, um, sharing power and influence, and resilience to attacks and uh, decorrelation of uh, your uh, vulnerabilities. So those are all uh, really meaningful uh, benefits of decentralization, as well as uh, transparent incentives and distributed decision making, uh, which uh, perhaps sometimes could go uh, in a positive or negative direction. But generally speaking, these are new capabilities that can be used um, to positive ends in terms of uh, organizing people and resources through DAOs. Finally, the article or the essay talks about uh, critiques of decentralization um, and mentions that some critiques may be uh, more valid than others. So, for example, it's easy to point to one or two examples of a DAO where you know, one person has all the power or a DAO where their desire to be decentralized led to uh, some kind of governance attack where uh, someone came in and bought 51% of the tokens and then voted themselves, you know, a payment of, of all the DAO's money. Um, that's pretty rare. It's actually very rare, although there are some good examples we can learn from. Um, and another criticism, you know, of uh, blockchains, essentially, uh, excuse me, blockchains especially, is that there's not enough recourse for consumers. So thinking about the fact that because the blockchain is decentralized, there's no one to complain to if you lose all your money and say, hey, can you give me back my money? Um, but actually, that's I don't think that's a great criticism because we could build those systems if we wanted to. We just have, uh, you know, created the base layer that allows for 
um, you know, transactions to be permanent. And then if we want to, we can build in some kind of reversibility later. Uh, and uh, finally, the needs of users. So in other words, uh, user experience, uh, as I think all of us know, uh, is not great yet in Web3 and in DAOs. It's just hard. It's complicated. There's risks that people shouldn't necessarily have to take just to vote uh, in a governance system. And of course, we're working on all of those challenges. Um, finally, ineffective governance and uh, is is a challenge. But again, that's a challenge with any organization. I think um, you're just as likely to have ineffective governance in a group of three people as you are in a group of three million people. Um, it's just different and the risks are different and the trade-offs are different. And it's gonna depend on the systems that you've built for governance and the true nature of the people involved and their ability to collaborate to make good decisions. So um, this is a great essay, a great article. Please go check it out. And again, uh, check out the Dow Research Collective at Dow Research Co. on Twitter for a summary and other great information. Next article is from banklesspublishing.com. This article is by Samantha J. Marin. You may already know I am a huge fan of Samantha's. She does amazing writing about DAOs and other Web3 topics. And I highly recommend following her on Twitter at Samantha J. Marin. And she will be a guest on our show pretty soon. I'm really excited about that. Uh, this article is headlined, We Made the Internet Hard Again. Focusing on user experience is necessary for large-scale Web3 adoption. Web2 was easy, Web3 isn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. Uh, we have made the internet hard again, as we are uh, going along making the internet uh, better again. Uh, you know, we're totally evolving and even revolutionizing the way the internet works. Um, it's, it's incredible. I know Samantha feels the same way, um, but we do have this user experience problem. Um, sure, we can blame just the newness of the technology and the newness of the solutions, um, but whatever the cause, we need to really think about how we can build better user experience into Web3. And actually, in some ways, it's a race against time. I mean, if you look at um, the risk of uh, of overbearing regulation from governments, part of the complaint that governments have is that people are being defrauded or tricked out of their money. Um, and part of the reason for that is that people are confused and they don't know what they're supposed to do. You know, they're either approving a transaction that they shouldn't approve and maybe all their uh, MetaMask or whatever wallet they're using told them was this long string of characters and said, hit this button to continue. And they have no idea that they're signing away all of their ETH to a third party um, or their board ape or whatever it is. So um, Samantha also talks about more social elements. So for example, if we're talking about DAOs, people need clear pathways to get involved. Um, that's a great point. So even um, things like that uh, are really good things we can all think about when someone joins your Discord server or uh, wherever your DAO is active. Where do they go first? How do they learn? How do they solve uh, whatever problems or challenges they have? And to quote Samantha's article again, people need empathy when something goes wrong. So I think this is just, again, it's a great insight. You know. In a lot of DAOs, no one feels like they're in charge, of course, because that's part of the goal. But as a result, no one feels like they have the 
the the permission to do things that you would traditionally have managers doing in an organization like going around making sure everyone's feeling okay about what's going on and helping people solve their problems, answer questions, et cetera. Um, so it's really important that in DAOs too, we create systems or at least we all take on responsibility as distributed leaders to help do things like be supportive and help others uh, feel like they belong and feel like they're being heard and feel like they're able to um, contribute and, and find solutions to the problems they have that are getting in the way of their contributing. Samantha closes with, I'm here to build a better internet, not a harder one. Yep, me too. Let's all DAO it together. Let's go build a better internet and not just a harder one. Next article is from The Defiant. The headline is, Multicoin raises new $430 million Web3 fund by Jason Levin. Awesome. Um, what's really awesome about this is the fund will make investments in Web3 infrastructure, DAOs and DAO tooling, etc. So right at the beginning of this statement, uh, infrastructure, DAOs, DAO tooling, this is not the first time in the last couple of months that we've heard about a multi-hundred million dollar fund being raised to invest in DAOs and related technology and systems. This is really exciting. Um, you know, if anyone listening is thinking about starting a DAO and you're worried about raising money, there is money out there to be to be had. So um, definitely go start that DAO, go DAO it. And um, if you want uh, advice about that uh, too, feel free to uh, reach out. I can maybe help uh, make some uh, connections for you. Next article is actually from my own company's blog. So this is from the MyDAO blog. That's MyDAO, M-I-D-A-O.org. And the headline is, Marshall Islands DAO LLC approved for US bank account. So this is really exciting. One of the most common questions we get in MyDAO is, you know, if we create this MyDAO DAO LLC, can we open a bank account? And we knew the answer was yes, because there are countless Marshall Islands companies with bank accounts uh, all over the world. But of course, DAOs are a different story, right? There's different risks with DAOs that banks are going to want to uh, take into account and, and manage and, and optimize around. There's a different KYC process, but it's really exciting that uh, one of our first uh, DAO LLCs from a couple of months ago um, has uh, been approved for a bank account at Signature Bank in New York City in the United States. So this is a, um, a meaningful uh, a meaningful development and actually follows on the heels of another article from the Cougar DAO Substack. And the article, first of all, says this DAO may not be what you think it is. Um, <laughs> if you were thinking that too, then it's not what you think it is. But a Cougar DAO uh, was also able to get a bank account and in their case with Mercury.com. And so this is another DAO that formed an LLC that now has opened a bank account. And so um, people starting DAOs should know that you absolutely should be able to deal with fiat money, whether it's bank accounts, whether it's exchange accounts. Um, of course, there's a risk management process. Of course, that process is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Um, banks and other financial institutions are going to want you to prove that, first of all, that your DAO is um, organized well, that its leaders um, or its members in general are not criminals, don't have a history of terrorist financing, et cetera. 
and they're going to want to know where's the money come from? Where's the money going to? What's what is it being used for? Uh, what is the, the Dow's business? Who does it interact with? So um, it's not going to be easy. But again, really exciting that Dow's can get bank accounts. And of course, reach out to my company if your Dow is interested in forming an LLC for this purpose. And by the way, banks are always going to require a legal entity. So no, no Dow will be able to open a bank account. Um, it, please, you know, let me know on Twitter if I maybe missed some special exception, but DAOs are going to need legal entities for bank accounts. That's one reason my company exists. Uh, that's why my DAO exists. All right. Next story is from DXDAO's uh, Medium blog. Uh, DXDAO surpasses three years of on-chain governance. DXDAO celebrated three years of on-chain governance, commemorating the submission of the first proposal in July of 2019 with a special edition POAP for DXDAO community members. As one of the oldest and most active DAOs, there is a rich on-chain history of governance of DXDAO and its products during bear, bull, and now again, bear markets. So uh, DXDAO, you, you may have heard me talk about this before. It's an awesome DAO. We, we had a guest named Sky from DXDAO on an earlier episode of the podcast. He, he's just brilliant and was a fantastic guest with great advice for people starting DAOs. What's cool about DXDAO, it's actually not as common as you might expect, is DXDAO governs everything on chain. So everything, including I mentioned earlier, you can actually manage a web front end through a decentralized um, provider of uh, basically DNS, you know, that allows your browser to figure out what web page is trying to connect with, download that content from the IPFS, the interplanetary file system, the decentralized distributed file system, that one of them that's really popular in crypto. Um, so DXDAO does that on chain. Every time DXDAO spends money, it's it's on chain, right? There's no group of multi-sig holders that are holding the $50 million of the DAO's treasury or whatever it is now um, that gets to decide what happens based on like a snapshot, snapshot off-chain vote, which has its uses as well. But it's really cool when DAOs really do everything on chain. Um, if anyone's looking for a cool DAO to check out, uh, and uh, check out DXDAO. Uh, and by the way, what DXDAO does, they build Web3 products. So they've built a um, prediction market. They've built a DEX, a decentralized exchange. Uh, they have built a, a incentive system called Carrot. It's really interesting. By the way, the DEX is called Swapper and the prediction market is called Omen. But the incentive system Carrot is really interesting. It's a way of uh, using smart contracts to automatically provide incentives for certain behaviors. So for example, if you want to incentivize people and organizations to fund a certain liquidity pool, maybe you do that through something like Carrot so that it's done in a fully decentralized and autonomous manner rather than trusting some private company is going to send you the rewards that they've, they've promised you. So exciting news. Congratulations to DXDAO. Um, really, really cool stuff. The last article we will cover today is from Forefront. That's forefront.market. And the headline is The Decentralized Science Movement, Exploring the Potential of Blockchain Technology and Tokenized Communities in Taking Academic Research to the Next Level by Esha Bora from Texas Blockchain. So this is cool. Uh, many of you may have already heard about uh, DSI, uh, maybe not. DSI stands for Decentralized Science. And the idea with uh, DSI is that we'll be able to achieve more in science than we have been able to achieve in the types of centralized uh, entities that we've leveraged in the past. So to me, a really good example of how you can leverage, for example, a DSI DAO is you can have 
a research uh, study where you need to collect a lot of data from the people participating in that study. And those people might, first of all, not want to just get paid, let's say, 50 bucks or watch a bunch or, or, or you know, get some free stuff in exchange or just get to use an app in exchange for contributing their data to a study that they have no visibility, no control over, no share in the benefits of that research in the long run, including financial benefits. Um, versus if you do this with a DAO, well, maybe everyone who contributes their data to this particular study um, gets to co-own the data or using you know, crypto and blockchain technology, maybe they never even have to really give up their data. It can be used in a privacy preserving way. Um, but beyond that, they get to share in the decision making about how that data is used and how the research is used. They get to share in potentially the uh, financial benefits of this research. So it's just a whole new way of organizing uh, people around a shared goal of doing science. Um, and again, that one example being doing uh, academic medical uh, research and having more democratic decision making and new ways of funding and, um, you know, using the concept of networks in uh, DAOs and in crypto to further science. That is all we have for today in terms of the DAO news report. Next week, we will have a guest back on the show. Uh, please consider liking us and leaving us a review or comments on wherever you are listening to or watching this podcast. You can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. You can find MyDAO at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S. Uh, again, on Twitter or at MyDAO.org. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always. And as always, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just DAO It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just DAO It does not contain any legal or financial advice. MyDAO also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.